Ladies and gentlemen, drivers and gig workers and everyone in between, welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. Happy Friday, everyone. It is September 23rd, 2022. Uh, We're back yet again with some more interesting rideshare and gig worker related news. And of course, I am not alone. I am joined by Legal Rideshare's co-founder and lead attorney, Brian Greening. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jared. I'm excited for another Friday here. Yeah, we took a little break there, but now we're back, back at it. And as always, you know, there's never a shortage of stories, so we're going to jump right into it. We're going to hit it off with Monday. Um, an Amazon driver went viral after quitting due to long hours and excessive work. And this is coming from Daily Dot. So he said, quote, he claims that if drivers don't finish their delivery routes as fast as other drivers within 12 hours, the app will kick them out. He says that Amazon's dispatch has sent him messages on his personal cell asking him to log off. He's also said things like he's never gotten a raise. He's been there for four or five years. Um, and eventually he just kind of said, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of peeing in bottles. I'm tired of not having breaks. I'm done. And, you know, this kind of blew up. Some people were uh, applauding him. Some people were kind of saying this is ridiculous. Um, but, Brian, I'd love to hear your side of this. Yeah, there's a couple things to think about here. One is the environment for workers. You know, it sounds like this is a really, really tough job that's requiring him to live in almost inhumane conditions. You know, he's talking about peeing in bottles instead of stopping at at restrooms. That's crazy. Um, And then the other side here is safety. Um, The fact that the Amazon is requiring drivers to um, work in poor conditions you know, race through their day, uh, do an amount of work that doesn't seem feasible. It's putting uh, dangerous drivers on the road because the drivers are tired, they're frustrated, they're hurried. Um, It's just a really bad combination all the way around. Yeah, it is. And as usual, we always bring this up, but basically, you know, this is not the first time I've heard this. This is not the first time someone's gone viral on social media saying, look, this is the situation. I mean, we've even heard and we'll discuss it a little bit later during the week. I mean, there's just stories about Amazon being quite risky to work for and kind of pushing people to the limits, both uh, drivers, gig workers, and even the companies they hire in general. So not a surprise that this is a situation. But again, as we keep saying, you know, if things don't change, this is going to keep happening. It's just yeah, kind and, of, it's the deal. And just to jump in there, th- this is something that we see every day in our practice because we're representing both Amazon drivers and people who are injured due to Amazon drivers' negligence. We we take on workers' compensation cases for drivers who are um, facing, you know, these really hard conditions with repetitive lifting and twisting and turning and sometimes car accidents themselves in which they're injured. Um, so that's the driver's side. And then on the, you know, the rest of the community is at risk because drivers are are causing accidents because they're exhausted. Um, so it's just, you know, legal rideshare is seeing this on both sides and we're representing people on both sides and really no one's a winner here. No, exactly. That's that's the that's the key. You nailed it. No one's a winner. Um, we're going to hit to Tuesday. So um, if you want to keep driving for Uber, you're going to need an EV by 2030. Bazinga reported, quote, Uber is committing to becoming a zero emission platform in the U.S. and in Canadian cities, as well as some major urban centers around the world, by phasing out all gas-powered vehicles by 2030. You know, they say that by switching, it's going to reduce air pollution and congested cities and encouraging gas-powered vehicle owners to make this transition. Um, They did say they're going to be um, starting a green future program, which gives drivers access to about $800 million worth of resources to try to help them out. But 
I, you know, it's, I know that's the way we're going. And again, I want you to weigh in on this. This is going to be tough for the drivers. I know it's a little ways off. I can't imagine this is going to be an easy transition to get drivers to just jump to the EVs. No, I don't think it will be. Uh, drivers have enough trouble uh, keeping their, their cars, you know, in shape as it is. It's most of these drivers that we see that are driving their own personal vehicles are not driving new cars. You see a lot of older cars on the road um, and, you know, the Uber's not paying drivers enough to upgrade a lot of times. Um, so it's, it is going to be a difficult transition to get a new electric vehicle in driver's hands. Now, that said, we've seen the companies form some partnerships with uh, rental companies uh, that are putting Teslas on the road and, and putting other electric vehicles on the road. So as long as the rideshare companies are supporting the drivers and getting, giving them options that, that make sense from a cost perspective, um, you know, maybe this can uh, go off without a hitch, but it is up to the rideshare company to make that an available and accessible option. Exactly. We, you know, we've seen this in both in both directions. It's you got to support the drivers and let them have that transition. Um, and we saw this first backfire and then get a little bit better, I think, is a good example was like the pandemic. So in the beginning, you know, Uber, they they tried, they first sort of, it seemed like there was an, they sort of ignored it. We actually stepped up. Legal Rideshare started that sick day program. Then, you know, Uber was like, nah, whatever. And then, you know, they jumped in and said, okay, now we're going to give resources, which did sort of give a little buffer to drivers during that time. Uh, but then again, at the end, it kind of fell apart. So we have seen in some programs, Uber, you know, drops the ball. Other times they do help with the transitional period, but that is going to be so key. You just did um, a video of that the round the gig worker roundtable with driver technologies and stable insurance. And one thing that stood out um, was Marcus at driver technologies. He said the average car on the road, especially for gig workers, is 12 years old. So if you're talking 12 years old and that's the average car of Uber and Lyft drivers, telling them, okay, you're going to need a brand new car that's an EV car. Yeah, they're going to need some help. I, they're just going to. Yeah, these are not cheap vehicles. Now, I'm not going to complain that I've been cruising, cruising around in a Tesla a lot of times when I've been calling <laughs> an, course, an right? Uber. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I really want to see there um, be some, some available resources and programs that help drivers make this transition. Because if Uber leaves it all up to the driver, I don't know that this is a goal that can be met. Yeah, I agree. And again, we've seen that when they don't meet the goal, it kind of hits a wall and then everyone starts pointing fingers. Don't want to see right. that. Um, we'll head to one uh, Wednesday. No shocker here. A new study suggests Prop 22 is hurting drivers. Wired, uh, Wired reported the study is done by PolicyLink, which is a progressive research group, and also by Rideshare Drivers United, which is a California driver advocacy group. They found that after rideshare drivers in the state you know, pay for all the costs associated with driving, so gas and vehicle wear and tear, they make about $6.20 an hour, which is well below the California's minimum wage of $15 an hour. Now, the research then said if drivers were made employees rather than the independent contractors, which Prop 22 kept, they would make an additional $11 an hour. Now, this was published on Wednesday. I'm basically saying, look, they're, these drivers are, are worse off now than they were in the past. Um, we kind of saw, I feel like we kind of saw this coming. I feel like you have literally been on front of TV and in, in papers and in blogs and on websites and podcasts discussing this is probably going to go this way. Yeah, we knew this from the beginning. There's a reason why Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and all those companies spent over $200 million trying to get 
Prop 22 through. It's because it worked for them and it, it didn't really work for the drivers. This, this codified for, um, for the gig companies some really advantageous business uh, outcomes and also codified um, you know, against the drivers in terms of uh, protections on um, benefits of employment and protections in terms of workers' compensation or you know, certain um, reimbursements that you might be able to get from an employer. We knew that this was going to happen, and, and now this study just kind of solidifies that we were right all along. All right. So I'd be curious to see if this has any repercussions or any kind of realities of the other cities that, you know, Uber and Lyft and the, and the gig companies were trying to push another versions of Prop 22 through. Maybe this will kind of open everyone's eyes. Maybe it'll do nothing. Um, but yeah, we kind of saw it coming. It's unfortunate for the drivers. You know, hopefully it gets turned, it gets flipped or it gets adjusted. Something as usual has to change. So we will see. Um, we'll head to Thursday. Reports of sexual assault continue to plague Uber. Uh, Bangor Daily News reported a woman uh, who accused her Uber driver of assaulting her in early June gave the region its first exposure to the problems. This is the first time in Bangor this was an issue. Um, but, you know, as we know, and as the article states, this is the first reported case in this area. However, there's been thousands of ride hailing apps. Drivers and passengers have reported being sexually assaulted or raped over the past several years. Uh, and this all kind of started in that safety report the company began publishing in 2019. So once again, I feel like a broken record. Here we are again, yet again, with the situation. Yeah, it, it, you know, safety is is paramount. And we, this is something that we've been talking about since the beginning of legal rideshare. Um, if if rideshare is not safe, it's not viable. And we're seeing that people are are starting to get scared of using the service. And it's, it's really uh, devastating because we believe in rideshare. We believe that um, that it, it it helps bring people together. It, it has a lot of benefits for the community in terms of um, you know transportation and last mile, and you know you can name a, a thousand ways in which it's helping. Um, but we keep hearing over and over that people are being hurt because the companies are not requiring safety. Um, the Uber safety report, the Lyft safety report, those those are really devastating numbers. Um, Uber and Lyft say, you know, it only happens in point whatever, whatever, whatever rides. Um, you know, it doesn't happen that often. Well, until it's near, nearly never happening, until we're at zero assaults, the rideshare companies need to be taking measures to improve the product or, or else it's just not going to be something that people are going to continue to use. Oh, exactly. And you know, what's, what's sad about this whole situation is when I saw this article, I wasn't shocked that this happened. I was shocked that this was the first time in that region it happened. And, you know, that's that's not a good thing. Um, right. it, like you said, it needs to be the other way around. And I can almost surely promise you that this is not the first time that this has happened in this region. It's the first reported. We know that sexual assault is is often under or unreported. Um, we these These are crimes that people a lot of times sadly go unpunished for. Um, so we've got one, one survivor who's willing to, um, you know, to, to essentially go public with, with what happened, but that does not mean that this is the first time or first instance in this region. And um, I, I would be shocked if that were the case. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, we'll head to the, head to the end of the week here. Amazon is under fire for hiring dangerous trucking companies. The Wall Street Journal reported, quote, they included one company whose driver was found with a crack pipe after running an Amazon trailer into a Minnesota ditch 
He was convicted of driving while high. Another driver hauling Amazon freight was involved in a fatal accident in Kansas after losing control while braking. Two months after his employer ignored a police order to fix the truck's brakes. Um, all three companies that Uber works with, these trucking companies, have received unsafe driving scores that have raised red flags at the U.S. Transportation Department. Um, and basically all their scores that these trucking companies are working under Amazon have scored worse than the levels at which the DOT typically takes action. This is pretty crazy. So, you know, they're, you know, long, obviously the break, it, break it down. Amazon is hiring the worst of the worst to, to take their trucks, you know, across the country. And these people are crashing them. They're high. They've, they, they should already be flagged if they weren't even running, if they weren't even working for Amazon is their, is their trucking company. Pretty crazy stuff, Ryan. Yeah, you know, profits over safety is never a formula for success. Uh, it may seem like it in the short term, but this is going to come back to bite Amazon, and um, already has in a lot of ways. Uh, we have seen numerous cases involving fatalities, serious injuries, um, as it relates to you know Amazon delivery trucks, and those are only going to continue to grow if if the company refuses to require safety as part of its platform. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's gotten so big that um, we've actually launched a spin-off company just to focus on some of these issues with Amazon if you want to explain, you know, what we're doing now and, and how to kind of combat this to help everyone on the road. Yeah, so we we started amazonaccident.com because we were getting so many inquiries about Amazon accidents. And as I was saying earlier in our conversation, this is coming from both sides. It's Amazon drivers who are being injured due to the, the conditions and, you know, just the hazards of the job. And it's people in the community who are being injured because of Amazon's negligence. Um, so this is, it's just such a problem that here we are again, um, entering a space that, that, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't even know existed um, or it didn't exist. Um, so it's, in terms of liability, in terms of accident injury law, um, I, I just I hate to see that that we need to step up and create right. um, create this uh, platform, but we do because there's so many people getting hurt out there. Yeah, it's true. And as you know, as we always say, I kind of, you know I think the thread of every single podcast we've done is if it doesn't change, which a lot of times we're seeing it's not changing, it's just going to continue with all of these issues from the assaults to the accidents, you name it. If they're not if they're not changing or stepping up, it's going to keep happening. And guess what? If it keeps happening, we're going to keep being there because that's what we do. Right. You know, we we need to see these big companies make change. Um, this that's been a theme ever since Legal Rideshare started is is demanding better. And I can tell you that there hasn't been a safety change for Uber, for Lyft, for Amazon that that we've seen make a, a real meaningful difference. And these multi-billion dollar companies that are some of the most innovative entities in the world can do better. So, you know, let, let this be, uh, you know, we'll put our flag in the, in the sand here. It's time. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as always, Brian, I appreciate you hopping on here. I'll give you the last word. If you just want to, again, give a little explainer of what, of what legal rideshare does and then we'll, we'll end it there. Yeah, so Legal Rideshare is the first law firm in the United States that's entirely dedicated to gig worker accident and injury claims. So um, if you're injured on the job, uh, if you've uh, you know gotten a car accident, a slip and fall, 
if you're a delivery uh, a delivery driver who's been bit by a dog, something like that, we can help. We can put money in your pocket to pay for medical bills, recover lost wages, recover money for pain and suffering. Um, and consultations are always free. So if you've got a question, um, reach out to us via our website, legalrideshare.com. You can give us a call. Um, whatever the best way is for you to reach us, we're available. Awesome. Well, yeah, that is the end. As I like to say, that is the end of this week in Rideshare. See you next time.